but sometimes, you know, I have to also look at myself and, and just wonder, is there anything about my leadership that prevents folks from showing initiative? Because sometimes I have a way of doing it quickly, better, you know, more, you know, something else. And so, <laughs> so am I stifling, you know, I, I, here I am on this, in this conversation with y'all talking about, like, I really just want people to, you know, use their voice because I've learned so much about that, but is my voice accidentally, <laughs> you know, overshadowing anybody else's voice or initiative? And so mm. I, I want to always be mindful of that and kind of, I need to let people like, even though I'm going to get something done by Wednesday at 11, like no problem, even if they don't get it done till like 6 PM on a Wednesday, but they took initiative to do it. And then I can help them maybe either approve it because it's flawless or help them refine it. And, we, and together we did something and they get all the credit. Like that's actually the better path of leadership. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that because. Hi, I'm Nisa. And I'm Tabari. The husband and wife duo behind Ginger and Carrot Productions. A creative agency telling captivating stories about food and culture. Food is life. It's history, culture, it's nourishment. But most importantly, it's delicious. In this podcast, we're cutting up with our friends in the industry who feel the same way. So join us for the most epic conversation about food you're going to hear today. Okay, hello, hello, hello. Okay, really quick, I just want to let y'all know that Ginger and Care Productions is accepting photography and videography clients. So if you have an epic food story that you want to tell for your brand, your restaurants, your platform, then go to gingerandcarrot.com, fill out that intake form, and let's get started. Let's start the conversation. So I cannot wait to hear from you. All right, back to the episode. So we are super excited to have this guest join us um, for this episode. She is one of the founders of Regarding Her and a pretty big deal here in LA as restaurateur that everyone loves and knows. Now we get to get to know her a little bit more. Welcome, Lynn, to Picture Your Authenticity podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and talk to y'all. Yay. Yay. Okay, so our most important question. How are you really? How am I really? Yeah. Um, today I'm good, you yeah. know? It's, it's, but it's been a long time um, that I've been able to sort of answer that question um, honestly yeah. and, and, and sort of just happily, you know? I think mm. I'm one to really expound on my answer and really think about it thoughtfully. And, you know, and I really did for many years struggle with just being able to answer how am I? <laughs> But I've been doing a lot of work, so um, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> love that. It's like, it sort of aligns with the fact that it's sunny now in LA after, yeah. like, <laughs> being gloomy. And I felt like that was sort of a parallel, at least in my experience with everything that was going on. And what was so interesting to me that would made me want to bring you onto the podcast was like your perspective 
as a restaurant owner, um, just being so involved politically and sharing your journey and also being so transparent. I think a lot of restaurant owners take this back seat in their story and focus solely on the restaurant, but you've been super open about everything that's been going on, everything that y'all are working through, every challenge. Where does that willingness to share and that vulnerability stem from? Um, I think it stems from a much younger version of myself. Um, I think I'm so happy to share and and, and engage with with other folks. Like I'm, I'm super, I, I sort of I'm naturally curious about other people, and and I find the best way to relate to people is to also do your fair share of sharing. So I think I've just been doing this from such a young age. Um, you know, I grew up pretty. Uh, in, a, in a solitary, independent sort of way. Um, I'm an only child. My father died young. My mom wasn't exactly around. And I think I just had to develop skills to, um, you know, kind of come out of my introvertedness and, and, and get out there and really learn about people. And hopefully in return, people would be interested in learning about me. But it's really been a journey to even just know me for who I am versus who I am for other people. Mm. I think, you know, the first few years of me being a new restaurateur, I was most certainly like every other restaurateur or just business owner, just very solely focused on my business um, and and really not even believing that I had um, my own, I guess, creative voice. Like people weren't going to my restaurant because I was the owner. People were going to the restaurant because the food was delicious or the space was great or my bartenders are talented. And I was very much a behind the scenes person. Um, and it's possible that in those early years, but certainly at the onset of the pandemic, I felt that it was necessary that at one, I needed to ask for help you know, from just the general public. And we've, I think, always had um, a great kind of like small percentage of people that were very dedicated to to our restaurants. Um, my second restaurant was so brand new at that point. So, I mean, we didn't have a loyal following by any means. And I think it was just imperative that I really be expressive about the the help that I was going to need in order to just push, get that last payroll on. Like I remember just needing $50,000 that, that first week of the pandemic in March, 2020. And the only way you're going to get help is if you ask from there, you know, I just understood that, you know, if I needed help, obviously my peers in the small business independent restaurant community also needed help. And if I was going to do certain things to, you know, try to find solutions to my big problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I, if I could help other people along the way at the same time, I mean, that's just maximizing my efforts, you know? So even just a small thing of, I was thinking, oh, I should, I should reach out to the mayor of LA. He used to eat at Here's Looking at You very frequently. He would like to, I think he should know (laughs) what I'm going through. And then it was like this whole thing where I was like, well, you know, if I'm going through it, everyone else is going through it. But really, truly, at the time, I was just I was just trying to save my ass and trying yeah. to 
my employee. Mm -hmm. And, but like, you know, and that's really honestly the whole intention in my opinion of co-founding regarding her. It was the same thing. It's like, if I'm going through something, I bet we all are. And if we can all collectively do a thing together, then even better. saves time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing to say, you know who I'm going to (laughs) call? That's how did that feel like when you are reaching out? Cause I know for me, I can only speak for myself here. Wink, but it's hard to ask for help. It is so hard for me to ask for help. And it's, there's definitely been points in our business where we've had to reach out to family members and friends for whatever reason, whether it's like, hey, can you come to my event so that it looks like more people are coming to our event? Yeah. Or, hey, can you like give us money in these for, for this particular purpose? What was that feeling like for you when you picked up the phone or got on your computer and right before you were going to make that call or send that message? How did you feel before that moment? Honestly, I was responding to an emergency, which is why my adrenal glands are completely out of whack and my cortisol levels. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've been, as a restaurateur, we're sort of uh, programmed and trained to respond to emergencies and you sort of do things, I don't know, it's almost a bit like an outer body, like movement. And, um, and it's quite incredible what you're able to accomplish and the courage you're able to summon when you feel like you're going to lose everything. (laughs) Um, It kind of felt kind of normal. Like I sort of felt like it was just a part of my to-do list that day. (laughs) Mm. I have no expectations ever about almost anything. Um, So it was also quite possible that I would never hear from the mayor or the letter that I wrote that I dropped off of this house through the security guard. <laughs> you know, like it was never going to get there or, you well, I'm know, pulling up. Yeah. Um, and it is what it is. Like, I'm going to try, you know, I have a fried chicken night tomorrow. Tomorrow's national fried chicken day at all day, baby. But mm-hmm. you know, the holiday lands two days after 4th of July. It's, it, it's, it's kind of hard to motivate people. And, and mm-hmm. in 2023 right now, I, I actually find it's incredibly difficult to motivate people because it's like, they're, they're being reintroduced to a massive amount of choices again. Mm. Attention span of individuals right now, especially in a large city like Los Angeles and especially in a city of Los Angeles people that have the privilege to travel. I mean, it's, it's quite Mm. hard. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to be particularly busy tomorrow for fried chicken, but I have to try. So it's kind of the same thing to me. Um, Generally, if I do things for myself, like mm. super, like truly just for myself, I'm terrified. Like yeah. I'm, you know, like I'm shaking. I, you know, or if the ask is like super large, like mm. I remember launching the GoFundMe campaign for "Here's Looking at You" to reopen. I felt deeply uncomfortable about that. Mm. I felt, you know, hundreds of thousands of restaurants around the world closed and could never reopen. Yeah. I just. I had a hard time grappling with this idea. Like, who am I to think that I can go out, ask regular folks for money to donate to me and that I'm not going to return. <laughs> <laughs> I can reopen my 50 seat restaurant in Koreatown. You know, it felt 
it was really scary. And I was sitting in this exact seat, which is it's mm. really stupid office swivel chair, but it makes a lot of noise against hardwood floors. And I remember when I hit publish, like on my GoFundMe, sent the Instagram. I mean, I was convulsing. Like this yeah. chair was rattling against the floors because I was I was really scared to to make that. It, it, at the time, it felt very selfish. Mm -hmm. mm. So. But the letter to the mayor, I was just like, I'm just going to write this and see what <laughs> <laughs> It shows a lot of bravery because I hear that a lot from uh, other chefs, restaurant tours, like creatives and entrepreneurs about this like bone shaking, rattling, wrenching like fear that comes up sometimes when you're about to make that first step or that next like big step. For us, it was... Um, leaving our jobs. We made a lot of decisions and planned it out because I left first and then like she left, we made a whole decision, but it was still like, is this the move? Is this? <laughs> and then when things like don't work out, you hit certain bumps, you're like, maybe I should have kept the job. And it's always in the back <laughs> of your head. You know what I mean? Cause like right now we're like, a bit of a slower season in our business. And part of me is like, so, cause we moved from Atlanta and Atlanta, I have like, three things I could go do to pick up part-time jobs, like old jobs, like in the restaurants, like a pizza shop, like a, a barbecue space. And my dad has his own business. So I was like, I can just, I can just go over here, but we're on the other side of the country. So I can't lean on that. So finding like new ways. And that's, that's scary. That's been really hard for me. Like lately is that, that fear of doing something new that I haven't really done before and go in, in like a new space and like talk to people I don't have any connections to. Mm -hmm. And but it's always this, like you were saying, you like, I, I gotta do something. I can't like sit here like not do anything. I have to like try something. And I think that's this gumption, this gall, this like fucking audacity <laughs> that we actually have. And I think it's easy, I'll speak for myself again. Like it can be easy to forget that when you're kind of in the day to day and forget that all the all the times you were brave for yourself or for your business or for people who are like looking up to you. And I just really admire that. I just love that about like <laughs> people with that 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 gumption. Right. And and you know, and I'm not exactly sure where I got this. Like there's a lot that I don't know how to do. You know, mm -hmm. I was at a pool party yesterday and I it was a new pool, so I didn't know how deep it was, but like I don't know how to swim. <laughs> I'm in my early forties and I truly cannot swim. Like I'm not it's I can't swim a little bit and I'm just like <laughs> humble. <laughs> like I truly will drown, you know, and, and there's just like a <laughs> little things. Yeah. That I'm the sole person in control. Like I, I can't do, but then there's, but there's kind of like a sort of in a way, you know, a, a, an abundant amount of um, energy that I have to, to find solutions uh, to, to solve really strange problems that seem, I think, really difficult for maybe like the average soul out there or, or taking risks. And maybe it comes from, you know, my parents, they're immigrants, you know, they moved here um, from Vietnam after one, escaping by boat two landing in a concentration camp in Thailand and staying there for a year and then arriving with by the generosity of some church people in Kansas, you know, arriving to an entirely different country yeah. and making it work. And, um, you know, so maybe deep, you know, they definitely did not talk about any of that with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but perhaps that's where some of that energy I get stems from, 
So, you know, I read, I heard recently about, you know, if you, if you're not scared a little bit or have some fear, then you're not, you're not going to the edge. Yeah. You're no mm. one being living on that edge. And it's, and it's probably not for everybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people and, and rightfully so, you know, they're very attracted and to safety into yeah. so what's easy or, I mean, I looking ahead in my little life, like I also am attracted to easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know that I need to live in this kind of instability forever or this sense of like, you know, taking care of lots and lots of people. You know, this is not my future, but it is my current present. And, you know, and I want to be here for it. Um, But I'm learning, I'm learning a lot about myself and about how, how humans work. Mm. You know, (laughs) earlier you mentioned Real quick, um, I want to share too. Um, you are. <laughs> don't worry about being not being able to swim because I am 34 and I just learned how to swim this year. Uh, Nisa just helped me learn this year. Like, I've never trusted anybody as much as I trusted her. She helped me learn how to float, and now I'm just in there. Like I would be in the pool today if I didn't have like a scar on my hand right now. But I. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm ever gonna learn. I thought yeah. I was gonna learn by 30, and I was gonna write an article about like. I'm gonna learn. <laughs> this year it's long that was a long time ago it'll hit even more when you learn at 50 like (laughs) (laughs) the longer you wait the more the article's gonna hit (laughs) (laughs) Tamari you mentioned earlier like you know the risks that we take and like looking back and thinking like oh like I don't know like this Mm -hmm. one's kind of scary and it made me think back to when I first started, like when we first launched Ginger and Care and we were in it full time. And I was thinking like, why do I want to do this? Like, why do I want to figure this thing out that I have no clue how to do outside of the delivery part, but I had no clue how to build a business. And the only thing I could think of is that I just want to know how to build a business. I want to know how to make something from zero to like something huge, because that's an incredible skill set. And if you have that, then you'll never be worried about what's going on. Like when you work for other people, you're always like, Ooh, what's going on with the economy? What are those stocks doing? What's going on? But when you're a creator, you'll always have that. There's no market for your creativity. And so that was the sole only reason. And now two three years later I'm like oh my god like I could not have anticipated the things that I would learn about myself I think when I first started in business I was like this is great everybody should do it oh my god everybody should do this and now funny enough even though we are landing on our feet and the growth that I thought we would have is definitely happening and I can see it, but knowing what it took to get here, I was like, you know what? Let's keep your job. Stay over there. That's fine. You don't need this. Like I deserve this. (laughs) We went through that. We went through something, but you don't have to go through the storm. It's like, and I think it's funny because my parents are immigrants too. And they took huge, unbelievable risks. 
unbelievable risks. I can't even say on this podcast, really. <laughs> and it's funny when you do that, you don't want anybody else <laughs> to go through what you went through. And, you know, more is caught than taught. So they taught me really how to just go for it because what you're seeing around you isn't enough. But they probably don't want that for me. Like, I mean, I know that. Like, my dad calls me monthly and he's like, you know, and you can hear his anxiety <laughs> for me, like what, no matter how things are going. And it's so interesting because it's like, you've done so much more risk taking, but that's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about like all those times of uncertainty that he wasn't sure, like how he was going to make it. And he just doesn't want me to have to stomach that. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is, and I was going to say, unfortunately, but it's not even unfortunate because, because I was able to survive that. Like, it doesn't even have to be cute. I can clumsily survive it. Yeah. <laughs> now there's so much information that I have about myself, about Tabari, about other people, about what we want. The level of clarity that we gained during that time. And it's just knowing that we were capable of that. I never would have ever thought that I would be capable of that. It completely redefines what you think the worst case scenario really is. And I had to really learn how to calm what was going on internally, despite what was going on externally. And it's just like, I don't know, it feels like a superpower a little bit like it feels like I got bit by a spider and weird things are happening and you're like well I don't really know how to like use this power yet but something <laughs> is happening like it feels like that and I would not trade that for anything because if you would have asked me like you get the safety but in exchange, I'm going to take everything you learned in the last year. I'd be like, no, nah, never. That's not, <laughs> I'm going to keep this right now. Yeah. It's like, this is like invaluable for me. Yeah, absolutely. I relate to all of that a thousand percent. It's, um, I mean, you're, you, you're, you're immersed in an experience, you know, and it's, there may be an end date to your experience, or they may, or they may not be, and there, and there's also so many different routes and paths to take, and um, and I think it's important. You know, there's so many fruits to 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 gain on in within this experience of your life today, and some people don't want experiences. Those people order in, <laughs> or, you know, and. I'm just thinking about my own restaurant. Like, I hope I make, I don't know how long it'll go, but you know, no. as long as people want the experience that we are offering within these two spaces, then, then, you know, we're delivering on something. Um, but it's like relationships. I think a lot about relationships, you know, most people have many relationships in their lifetime, but certainly, you know, learned a lot about what you want in a relationship, what you don't want, who you are, how you want to behave, how you want someone else to treat you and same thing. But yeah, I agree with you. My mom does not approve of my career choices and it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard, you know, and I used to, yeah. be, I used to be pretty resentful 
um, and hurt by it. And um, now having gone through this experience for over seven years, um, I have an understanding of uh, what she meant by her <laughs> by like what I guess the root of her disapproval, where it comes from. Yeah. And, and um, but I think she was she was just here, you know, six or seven months ago and um she went to one of the restaurants. I, I certainly think she's proud of or, you know, even surprised by no, she's not surprised actually. It's like she <laughs> she actually even said, oh, you know, oh, of course you're a good restaurant where you went to college. And it, you know, and it's such a <laughs> it's like a black and white statement, but it's right. like from a woman that didn't go to college. Yeah. In her mind, she doesn't even know what college is, but it's right. like in her mind, or what I studied. But it's like in her mind, because I was able to go through that experience, mm-hmm. I probably could do anything. But her criticism of me is that I could have done something easier and been more successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny that parents like, who was it we were talking to yesterday, Tabari, that they were like, the people in your life, we actually had a sales call with somebody and like our sales calls end up sounding a lot like this. <laughs> like We're just talking about life stuff. And she said, you know, people that love you just want you to stay where you are yeah. because that's what's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And, like you know, yeah. yeah, they just want you to stay where you are. And she, cause she was, she hosts retreats annually. And she was like, my retreat, the people that are going to be here are going to actually push you to be where you want to go. Yeah. And the people you love will never push you to where you want to go. They want you to stay right where you are. Cause that's where you're safest for them. And I was like, it's, I've only heard that statement twice now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds like the people that love you don't want what's best for you. Yeah. Like it, but in a way that's what's happening. Like, it sounds like that's their intention. Their intention is that they want what's best for you. But the result of that, by keeping you where you are, even if it's like hard or whatever the case is that it's not what's best for you. And it's such a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot, I'm embarrassed to admit about this scene in Goodwill Hunting. Or I don't know when Ben Affleck says it to Matt Damon, but it certainly, you know, sort of comes to fruition at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, anybody. Of the other- <laughs> you know, Ben Affleck says to Matt Damon, I hope one day I drive by here and I knock on your door and you're not yeah. here to answer it or, you know, something to that effect. Cause he's like gone off because he has the acumen or, you know, whatever the, the, the sort of the, the actual bones to go mm-hmm. and be something beyond whatever he was in that film mm-hmm. at the start of the movie. Um, I think about that a lot. And, and from a, from a very small and strange um, selfish perspective, you know, like I have two restaurants that obviously requires me being at the restaurant, but also being on my computer doing like a million things for the restaurants that nobody knows and sees. But I also have a personal life. And like, if you add all of that up, it actually out um, weighs 24 hours of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the funniest messages and people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you're not here. 
you know, like I'm out here is looking at you and I can't believe you're not here. And I'm like, well, I'm at all day baby, or maybe I'm sleeping or (laughs) (laughs) everywhere at the same time, unfortunately. And it's kind of like what you're sort of saying, like people want you to be where they want you to be. Um, And, but once in a while I'll have a friend that's like, I'm coming in tonight and I hope you're not there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Interesting. Um, along those lines, I was thinking about this, and also you mentioned relationships, and I thought about relationships with one's self. So I'm curious, amongst all that, um, with all the things you have going on, all the plates that you have spinning, how do you show up for yourself? How do you take your take time for you? Yeah, I think one is, which is very hard, the step is to admit that you need to take time for yourself. Um, mm. And I think... I, it's very possible I knew how to do it before 2020, um, and you know, I, I, I figured it out. Like had it, had teams in place and and routines and whatever a gym subscription, <laughs> but all of that collapsed, mm. like you know, overnight. And um, so for several years, I just didn't believe I had um, the choice to to be in that equation of of a day's work. And I really, really let myself disintegrate and and decay. Decay is a word that I think about. And I just I just didn't there was no space for me to think about myself, you know, in those I, I had to think about my businesses, the people that supported me in opening my businesses, my staff, still today, like it's like a constant emergency to like, are we going to, you know, sell enough biscuit sandwiches today to like, Mm -hmm. you know, even break even? No, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) anyway, and, but I realized that was a mistake to not include myself in this kind of act of care. You know, I was caring about dozens or hundreds or even thousands of other people before myself and committing myself to other things um, that I think would um, benefit other folks. And and I love and get so much value out of that. But it got to a point, it was actually last year, um, 2022 is the year that I cite as my hardest year. And Mm. I think I was just doing too much. And I... I had this hilarious realization that I had not been an owner of two restaurants longer than three months. Mm-hmm. I had not. And so then when the three month mark passed again last year, when I was able to successfully have two on operation, I was like, damn, this is so hard. And yeah. like, I'm working every night at one restaurant. So I work mornings at the other, you know, and I'm trying to do all of this crazy work and, and I was burning out. My hair was falling out. I myself was like aging like rapidly. I, I, couldn't, like, I couldn't digest food. Like yeah. I, I was in so much pain. I had this, I, this chronic thoracic spine issue. And, and I was, but how all of that aside, I still was like, oh, that's just, I don't know, not no yoga for three years. Like maybe that's like why I'm in pain or, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, I eat bad food and that's why I can't digest it (laughs) or whatever it is. But until I realized I was being impatient, like I was, I was showing impatience either in my language, either how I spoke to 
uh, my guests, my staff, the person I love the most, or whoever it was, I realized this is not me. Like I can barely recognize myself. And it was really challenging. I, I think I had like four or five. One was this year, but four or five like rock bottoms. And, and by the last one, I was like, I cannot, I cannot deal with myself if I have another one of these. I do not want to face this version of myself. I don't want anyone else to see it. This is not inspiring to anybody. Like, I think people, you, you know, sort of generally speaking, are like, wow, Lynn can do so much. <laughs> not so inspiring. Wow. You know, and I kind of was like inside just like bubbling up feeling insane. Like I was like, I just don't want anyone to follow my footsteps. And you know, when you have <laughs> people working for you, I was like, this is the last thing that I want them to look at and be like, this is a model for how I'm going to grow up and, you know, achieve things. Like it's, it's yeah. Not. So I found a therapist. I went mm. on a path of like locating one. I knew what my needs were. I needed to be in person. I needed someone that was, had a sense of humor because through yeah. all the pain, I we need to laugh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I loved about this lady that I see is maybe it was like in her bio or something like that. But she was like, I'm really good at helping people that look like they have it all together. That's a niche. You know, call in your audience. <laughs> yeah, like walking around feeling like a complete fraud. Like it was just like, and I was just really struggling to give to folks because I was not and had meant for many years not given to myself. So mm. I do little things. Like I really needed to get out of where I lived at the time. Like I lived in a really small, small studio apartment um, in Silver Lake that had not a lot of light. And, you know, and I don't, again, I don't have a lot of needs. Like it's my bed. I have a small desk. Like it's not like I'm home a lot, but, you know, I wrote the business plan to all day baby there, raised all the money in that little space, lived through the pandemic. I was like, I need to get out of here. I, it was, I felt the walls closing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I always, I was coming from this place of scarcity too, for, for things for myself and was like, Oh, I can't afford another place. I don't, I can't afford the time to look for another place. And, um, <laughs> And luckily, seven months ago, um, a friend of mine casually was just telling me, you know, that she finally had like a space. I didn't even know she had space vacancy um, in Silver Lake. But now I live in this space that has a lot of natural light, a lot of natural space, and it's quiet. And um, it's really changed my wellness perspective in, in these small, what seems, it feels small, but these steps have led me to just one thing at a time, just like letting, giving myself just like a small piece because that is just the way I'm programmed. Like I, I can't, I'm not allowed a big piece. So if I take <laughs> small pieces, you know, I also do, you know, when I first wake up, I'm doing my best to not just work immediately you know, I make coffee, I sit down, I, I clear out my personal inbox, which includes, you know, reading my New York Times newsletters. So I'm like up to speed on what's happening in the world. Because there was many times where I was not up to speed with what was happening in the world because I was just so tunnel vision and like mm -hmm. thinking about the restaurants. And um, that helps me. I read all my astrology newsletters. But like, <laughs> I simply, I this time in the morning, this small piece, maybe I just read a few like a chapter or something out of a book that I'm currently reading, but reading is a big part. 
And then finally I needed to get my body moving. You know, I mean, I had to cancel that gym membership. I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I wasn't going. Um, but I found some free yoga, shout out yoga with Adrian. Um, mm. and I just, I just, it's 20 minutes. I'm not here to break a sweat, but it's, you know, I started doing yoga in Georgia in 1998 as a high school student. And, you know, I've come and gone, you know, and again, it's about whether I had that time for myself. Um, but now, you know, those classes used to be like 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you think like, oh, if you're not doing the 90 minute class, yeah. it's not enough. So just don't even bother. Don't even bother. <laughs> now yeah, like- we do 20, 23 minute classes and, you know, I can always make time. So this is the way that my mind works. Yeah. As soon as I'm hungry, which is around 10, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. But then I'm like, oh, but first I need to do 20 minutes of yoga. And then I usually eat by 1030. And this right. is. So these routines are extremely helpful to me. Um, And again, it sounds small, but for any listener out there that is like having a lot of trouble with finding these small pieces to give to yourself because you feel like you can't deserve it or you don't deserve it, I I really strongly advise you to think otherwise. (laughs) I read, I woke up this morning and I saw um, a peer of mine, she owns a restaurant and gorgeous selfie of her herself mm-hmm. but like the caption was disturbing it said i self-care is not normally in my routine mm-hmm. and i just i'm struck mm-hmm. because i feel like i really went far to the edge of like darkness <laughs> and now that i'm coming out of it and i feel so much more of my my true natural light this light that i actually always had but like i kind of accidentally killed it a little mm-hmm. um I don't, I'm, I'm a little concerned that in our industry and maybe in other ambitious industries, like we glorify this idea of like, oh, we work hard. We like hustle the word hustle. I mean, I mean, I'm the biggest hustler there is, but like, I don't know that I'm always proud of it Um, just because I really have made a lot of self-sacrifices and it, it, you really will, you know, you will have a heart attack. Like you, you know, at an age that you're not supposed to. Like <laughs> you don't think about that when you're young and you know, you don't think about that when you have no ailments or you can survive on a couple hours of sleep at night. And, um, but when your body starts telling you that I will shut down, if you don't pay attention to me, um, you got to start listening and just mm-hmm. like building it into your life. And I mean, y- and you'll see, you know, or what I've seen is oddly my productivity is like, even stronger. Yeah. And that's, that's really what I want to impart on, especially young people is like, if you, if you sort of do all of these little things for yourself or other people, like just fill in all of these boxes, I mean, you will be amazed and just push yourself just a little bit, but like, you will be so amazed at how much you can accomplish and achieve in any given day, you know, and, and, and do it with some, some grace. And yeah, like, cause these things are hard, you know, like one of my favorite quotes, because I, I still write um, a little on the side um, if anyone asks, but like, I think it's Dorothy Parker, but she was like, I, you know, nobody likes to write like write a book or something like that. But she goes, everybody loves having written. And, <laughs> you know, because and you just kind of like, 
get in there and finish the damn thing. <laughs> and like that, there is power in that accomplishment. So you mentioned earlier, you're like, I don't want people to look at this hustle lifestyle. I want to call it because it is a lifestyle. It's like this yeah. embodiment and say that, oh, that's the way I want to be like that. So in the vein of that sentiment, what do you want the model to be for somebody who doesn't know you, but is looking at you as like, oh my God, I want what she has or whatever their perception is. What do you want them to, I guess, know and understand about what it takes to have what you're building? Yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful question. I feel, I think one of one of the best things that I have learned about my abilities, I guess, or myself is um, having a, having a voice and, and really differentiating it from everybody else's. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I must've learned just in the, you know, the attributes of good writing or, you know, from my, from my college degree is just like, you know, the importance of having a voice or knowing your audience and like all of that. But as I get older and, you know, and I'm very lucky to always be surrounded by a lot of people, like I, because, you know, they come into the restaurant um, or I have a lot of staff and, you know, and, you know, it, it occurred to me that I, I don't, my life might be quite enviable to people that may spend almost an entire week not being around another person. Yeah. And um, I learn a great deal from my surroundings. But I do meet guests, for example, or even staff, for example, that don't speak. And they don't know how to fully express themselves or like um, sort of very comfortably, you know, share what their order is, even for dinner, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I know what that was like, you know, I shy, terribly nervous, please don't call on me in class kind of like that. <laughs> and I just will say, if one can spend time developing their voice and finding a way to express it, um, you know, in a way that makes sense to them in, in their life, I think that is a great first step into figuring out how you want to go about your path of action. Um, I feel, I think balance, some people say it's a myth as far as a work-life balance, yeah. but I think it's achievable. I mean, it's different for everybody, like what, what it is in a given day that you have to accomplish. Um, but some people barely work and get paid. <laughs> in which case, in my opinion, if you have a lot of this extra time, I would say be very thoughtful about how you want to fill it and how, whose life do you want to enrich and how much impact do you care to make? You know, I'm, I'm just naturally a maximizer and I feel like if I have an extra 10 minutes today, I need to sit down and write a thank you note <laughs> or I need to sit down and like, or do yoga. Like if you start, yeah. just have to look at your day and kind of decide what is it that is calling you the most, but I'm never bored. I think <laughs> like, I don't I notice. Right? It's, it's 
confuses the shit out of me when people are like, I'm bored. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there's so You're like, bad. come down to the restaurant. Like, Never a dull so moment over here. <laughs> there's so much to experience. There's so much like to learn. And um, so I feel like my hustle is just this like insatiable energy to be curious for other people and, and, and kind of like how best to help. I mean, sometimes I got to pull back. Not everybody wants my help, but like, <laughs> you know, you just got to figure out like, what, what do you feel like your calling is? You know, I think my calling has something to do with, um, I guess like helping other people achieve greatness. Like I, I really love helping great people be greater. Yeah. If that makes sense. I sort of, I fall in this kind of funny path or this space. I, I don't know how to help people that have no motivation. Like yeah. it's, it's challenging for me. Yeah, I would like to be better, but I've, I've just learned that in a day's work, um, my, my time is better spent talking to people that kind of like are great. <laughs> they're already great. Most people are great, but they're great. And they just want to be greater. And yeah. I feel like I have the best conversations with those people. And um, those are like my, my best employees. Like I, you know, they're the ones that have stayed with me the longest because it's, it's never really, I have to give it up to them. You know, if any of them end up <laughs> listening to this, it's, <laughs> it's, they are really incredible. Like, I don't know if when they signed up and had an interview with me, the experience that they're receiving today is what they knew they were going to get. And I didn't even know, but I will say that my staff is incredibly adept at just, just going with the surprises of the day, you know, the, the changes and the board pivot doesn't bother me. So I'll say pivots. So all the pivots that we do at the restaurants and I really think, I love being able to see on their faces the accomplishment of creative work and, and, and also fastidiousness. And like it, I think it's wonderful to see most, all of my staff is younger than me, like to see them almost outpacing even their own, what they thought were their own kind of capabilities coming in. Mm. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to put into words. Like sometimes when I put up an ad for a job, I, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I, don't even, you know, I don't even employ a dress code because I really feel there's a lot to learn from someone's choice to show mm. up to work, whatever outfit it is and how they're going to style their hair. Like I, I feel this, that sense of individuality, it, it, it helps me. So I don't know that I fully answered your question of, you know, someone looking at me and thinking maybe that's kind of a path that I want to go on. But I would just say I've learned so much about um, developing my own voice and learning how to express it. Because as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, like I really didn't even think I had the right to have one mm. <laughs> time to express myself. But, you know, coming out from the other side, like, I can see how effective um, it's been or the impact that I have um, on, on even just like Asian girls, you know, I see yes. Asian gals, you know, and I just really didn't have that like race mindset. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm just a little bit like, I just see things as they come, you know, and we all have lived in Atlanta for a period of time. And 
you know, my life was mainly a bunch of white people and a bunch of black people that, you know, luckily some of them pulled me into their circles and, you know, helped to create kind of the foundation of, of me. And then I went to Boston, very white place. (laughs) And, um, and then I moved to LA and I'd never seen more Asian people in my life. And it was, it was a little weird. Like I, I, (laughs) I definitely didn't, immediately feel like oh these are my people I definitely felt like oh I'm not unique and it was like and and like (laughs) already like me but as we all know we're not a monolith and and I've just noticed that like if I get if I get an influx of um like Asian Asian Asiany names like in the reservation system I don't know I can't help but wonder if like are they coming in here because they need to they need to see for themselves does it does a five foot one Asian lady actually run this place? <laughs> and, you know, and there's not a lot of Asian families that promote creative um, mm-hmm. work, yeah. you know, and, you know, when I, when I know when I see an Asian named author of a book and a novel, like I'm, I'm pretty keen to pick that up because I want to know how is it that they mastered English <laughs> Because I have barely mastered English, it was you know the third language I learned, and I'm yeah. I still struggle. <laughs> you know, mm. and so I think about that. I think about just what inspires me, and I and and then I have to sort of allow myself to believe that it's quite possible that some people are inspired by me, and I have a responsibility there to show them maybe a better path <laughs> than I've taken, or you know at least you know just an improved path, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that totally makes sense. It's interesting you bring up your name or their or names in general yeah. because you know, Tavari and I have had such a journey with our names. Like for one, we both have names that people never get right on the first try. Never. Like literally never. And well, I have not never. Catch- it's very rare for me. I'm just it's like, very oh. rare. I have a catchphrase. You have a catchphrase. Tavari's catchphrase is it's Tavari with a B. My catchphrase is <laughs> it's Nisa with an N because it's like, here's the letter where you're going to fumble the bag a little yeah. bit. And then we combined our names as Garcia Muhammad. So a lot of people are like, what's your maiden name? I'm like, this is like a culmination of my entire life experience. This is my <laughs> four name, full name. Yeah. And I, when, I'm not going to lie. I felt like, especially because as a black woman and I grew up in Connecticut, and then kind of finished off my childhood in the South, I experienced so much racism. It's like the only thing I haven't been called explicitly is the N word. And I don't, I don't filter myself in that way, but like the way that I use that language is like in a totally different context. Mm. And, but like, I've experienced so much racism that I truly believed. And there is a part of me that still does. We were talking about this yesterday to worry. I was like, I was like, oh, white people are racist, period. Like, even if they're nice, they're racist, period. Like, there's no, like, unless you are on the front lines at the Black Lives Matter rally, and even they have work to do, pick up some books. (laughs) It's like, I felt that way because I was like, I've seen racism every shade that it can appear in every context and every comment. And I was like, oh, I've seen it all. And then being a Jamaican on top of that, I was like, oh, I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. And just when you think you're in a safe space, it's like, ha ha, I gotcha. And like mm-hmm. that, I carried that 
weight with me everywhere. And it took, and it, it shows up, I guess, because it's like being darker skin, having the name that I have, you know, speaking the way that I speak, like I sound like neutral or race neutral to most people. And so like, I show up in such a way that whatever people's beliefs are is plastered right away. Like I'm not the black person that can sort of skate through and has to do a little bit of digging. Like I'm the black person that whatever it is that you think about the world, I'm going to find out within seconds because of how I show up in the world. And I used to really, really resent that. Um, and I, you know, even abbreviated my name sometimes, or I'd be like Nisa G or whatever. And like recently I've been, even if it's on a, a silly little newsletter or on a reservation recently, I've been putting my full name and just being like, this is what it is. Like, I will stop the conversation and say, it's Nisa. I know you're trying to tell me what to do, but before you even do that, <laughs> here's the correct way to pronounce my name yeah, or whatever the belief is. And it's, it's really, I realize that it's been a process of sort of unlearning that the world isn't that black and white. It's a lot more nuanced, pun intended. It's a lot more nuanced than that. <laughs> but then also kind of shedding the layers of being an angry sociologist, because that's what I studied in college. And it'll make you very angry for a while because you're like, this is why I've been suffering. And so like for five years, you're just like, mad at anyone who perpetuates those ideas and then finally being like oh well I deserve to take up this space because that's what's required for me to show up in the world yes and it's interesting I always felt like I couldn't relate to African Americans because I'm Jamaican and there's a it's night and day the the way that we're brought up like of course there's parallels in our relationship to colonization but that's kind of where it ends it's like our parents think differently like there's a ton of movies that I can't admit right now that I haven't seen and it's just <laughs> little things and, and it's such a big deal with African Americans and it took me a long time to find like my black friends and my black community it took me such a long time and I for a long time I felt uncomfortable and now I'm like really comfortable in what blackness looks like for me. Mm -hmm. And so at this point it's, it's very, but it, it was, it wasn't like, well, obviously it's like, no, it was such a point of contention for me and for a long time and for good reason. And it's just so interesting to hear you say the same about Asian women and just Asian people in general, because I feel that happening too, like just with media and with like, it started, like I started noticing it just even when crazy rich Asians came out mm -hmm. and Asian people were popping up, writing articles and being like, okay, I was like, tell me more. And then more and more was happening. And mm -hmm. it's just like, you're like, wow, like it's the same, but it's like very different. But, and then when everything was happening with COVID, it was just like, no, look at this. This is crazy because look at what is happening now. It's like when you're kind of faced with something and you have to address it, 
and you have to figure out what it means to you. And you can't just say, well, I'm cool. My friends are cool. So everything's fine. It's like, you have to now look at things on a deeper level mm-hmm. and more color and more complexity to the. And so I'm like, I just don't ever shy away from race anymore because I tried it and it wasn't cute. <laughs> like in summary. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love everything that you're sharing right now, Nisa. I, I feel I, sometimes I, I'll get angry. Like I'll get angry when I meet like fellow Asian gals and I'm like, speak up. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I can't, I literally can't hear you. And, and so no wonder everyone interrupts us, you know, so speaking, you know, <laughs> you know, oftentimes I'm at the restaurant and a lot of the times people don't know that I'm the owner, which is 100% fine. Like I, I sort of, I ask my staff to all of them should behave as if they own the place because that's, that's, it's attractive. Like I want to yeah. feel like I'm being guided through my experience tonight with someone that has that sense of like warmth and command. Um, but I tell you, I get, I get interrupted all the time or summoned and um, I get spoken to And I just, I just don't think that white people know they're doing it. <laughs> like I don't think that they know that they are literally suppressing my voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's frustrating. And but you kind of have to in one's own way to to be comfortable, you kind of just have to in a kind of correct them back. Just mm-hmm. be like, well, actually my name's pronounced Lynn. Mm-hmm. And if you let me, I'll tell you what that dish is that I just dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's very interesting and I just feel I'm very excited to find space in my life, like down the road here to like help, not help, uh, like be, be a good guide, I guess, for, for other Asian folks or anybody, women, like for, I think a little bit, that's probably why I wanted to be a part of regarding her and help create it. Um, it's, you know, I remember during during COVID, um, an old friend of mine from, we were editors together back in the day for an entertainment website. She, she works for a new site. I'm not sure if she still works there anymore, but she had reached out to me to write an article in response to, um, the, the murders in Atlanta that Mm -hmm. were mostly Asian women from spa. And I was like, I'm a restaurateur. Like, I felt, you know, immediately like this is, Oh my gosh, I could never, I don't know even how I would begin to respond to something like this and how I Mm. feel and like, what am I doing about it? And I needed the money, like the extra money. And it was an article and I I never want to disappoint people. And, you know, my mother asked me to do this. And so I was like, okay, what is it? What is the voice that I will take? What is the angle of expression? I feel like I am allowed to take and really all I could feel besides the fact that there was a parallel between, you know, my mom and my family being in the beauty industry, mm-hmm. I just, I really felt like the only way that I could legitimately show up as an Asian American woman living her life was just to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of like the take that I took, but it was really challenging for me to to write something like that. Um, 
but I realize now, you know, I even met this woman last night at the park. Um, I was there, obviously, minding my own business, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I kind of, you know, everybody's got their glasses, everybody's backlit from the sunset and fireworks. And, um, and this lady, she just turned to me or like they, a couple, they like waved at me and they were like, we were at your restaurant the other day, Mm -hmm. you're you're the owner. And I was like, yes, I was like, you do look, I'm better with names and like stories. I'm not actually interesting faces but i like to think that i look at people from the inside <laughs> i love that yeah, i was like so familiar to me anyway i remembered everything like as soon as it came like they were from the bay area i sat them at 16 17 they asked me <laughs> nine you know what i mean and they like stayed forever they like had an amazing rapport with my bartender damien mm-hmm. i remember all of this he was he's a uh, latino mm-hmm. she's asian but i just mm-hmm. you know I, again i don't look at people really look at people in the beginning, but it turned out she's Vietnamese American. Mm. Like I am, mm. she's about to open a bakery business in LA. Oh my God. Anybody in LA and like we fast friends. And she came over, she wanted me to taste some of her beer. Eddie like ran out, we planned a picnic and he like forgot all the picnic provisions. So he ran out and got wings and <laughs> it was the fact that she was, she was like, where's Eddie? And I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, I go get wings. Like we don't have a picnic. <laughs> And we had like 18 things in common in the span of five minutes. And, and she mm. even said, she was like, it's just really nice to see another Asian woman owning her own business. Yeah. And, and again, it's like, sometimes I don't know what to do with that responsibility, but it doesn't matter. I just need to own up to the fact that it's my responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm just doing my best. I think it's more than enough. Like, yeah. even if you weren't in this public facing thing earlier you mentioned like the is it selfish for me to do this what I want to do and ask for what I want and it's like it's the way that I've read so many times I feel like every like finance woo-woo book like those are the books I read I'm like finance woo-woo <laughs> like, they always say this. they're always like it is the most selfless thing you can do to pursue your path because people are depending on you being a light and I was just like okay like it's not even about me (laughs) I know and like in our business of hospitality I mean if you can be selfless enough to impart your hospitality with no expectation of anything in return. It gets a little muddled in the restaurant world because obviously we expect some money for the food. (laughs) (laughs) It is an exchange of hospitality and money. But for me, you know, I'm, I don't get much of this money. I could just, Mm. it's, it's mostly tips for the restaurant. It just goes back in the business because it's just paying for the rent and for the food and whatever. But I genuinely you know, I'm not perfect, but I genuinely, for the most part, am doing my best to impart that hospitality. And what I've learned is that it, it gets, it just gets, it doubles. It's mm-hmm. like, a, it's like molecules, like dub- tripling and opening up because I really believe that it's going elsewhere and it's mm-hmm. going to attract somebody else yeah. and inspire them to show warmth or 
or curiosity or just a, a, even a great smile, you know, no need. Like I used to smile at people in the streets because I'm from the South. Yeah. <laughs> wave, you know, you let me in in the car lane, a wave. Nobody does that. Yeah. Like, I used to be like, why are you not smiling back? And why are you not waving back? But now I'm like, I don't care. Like this is, I'm, I, you know, I saw such a dark side of myself, not even six months ago. Yeah. That like, because now that I'm back, like I'm so back and it's like a different version too. I'm just like, whatever, this is me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you don't have to wave back. It's cool. <laughs> That's something I figured out about navigating the streets of uh, Venice is that um, when, I, when we first came here, it was like, you're going to stop at the fucking stop sign. You're just going to put this roll on through. I was like, I don't feel safe. I have to go back home. I'd rather the cars be loud and everybody got electric cars. So they're all quiet. So I was like, how am I going to die out here? But I realized, I realized the power of the, of the wave just being like, because if I'm if I'm cutting you off, if I'm going first, just, and most people more often than not, like ninety nine percent of the time, people are like, and I'm like, oh, we're all. What I realized is that we're all out here. We're all like flowing through something else. People are going to work. People are going home. People are kind of in this flow, and so normally they're not like stopping at the stop sign because they're just stopping their flow, and they always slow down. Um, but when they run into people, oh, I didn't see you. Okay, cool. I, I know you're flowing too. You're doing your thing. Okay, cool. Let me go back to doing my thing. And that energy is something I hadn't experienced before. <laughs> maybe because it's a walkable town, maybe because it's a beach town, whatever it is. But I just, I'm always like, I, <laughs> <laughs> really does do that. I love it. I love the, I love the certainty that it provides. And if like, yeah. if I cut, if I cut, if I'm cut off, I'm like, oh, you hey, go ahead and go. I'll just go ahead and go. And then everybody's like. That makes you feel like we are connected and it's not just this stranger in a car who doesn't care about people on the road. So, yeah. <laughs> the wave. It is so true. It's like, it's taking command of the interaction. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know how you're going to react, but I know what I'm going to do and I've decided. Yeah. And so people respond to that however it is, but now it's like, okay, like, a decision has been made, how will you proceed? It's like, we've begun. And I, even in such a small way, but it's such a powerful thing to decide, like, I'm going to smile. Like, this is the energy that's here. I'm initiating. You know, it's like, now I really understand when people are like, do you take initiative? It's like, what does that even mean? I know, like, now it means I have a decision. I have an idea. And I'm going to do something right now without hesitation, without questioning. And I'm going to do something. Now, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And there's something so comforting about that. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm always trying to have my team show more or, you know, portray more initiative. And, but sometimes, you know, I have to also look at myself and, and just wonder, is there anything about my leadership that prevents folks from showing initiative because mm. sometimes I have a way of doing it quickly better you know more you know something else and so <laughs> so am I stifling you know I, I here I am on this in this conversation with y'all talking about like I really just want people to you know use their voice because I've learned so much about that but is my voice accidentally <laughs> you know, overshadowing anybody else's voice or initiative. 
And so mm. I, I want to always be mindful of that and kind of, I need to let people like, even though I'm going to get something done by Wednesday at 11, like no problem, even if they don't get it done till like 6 PM on a Wednesday, but they took initiative to do it. And then I can help them maybe either approve it because it's flawless or help them refine it. And, we, and together we did something and they get all the credit. Like that's actually the better path of leadership. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that because I want, I want my team members to, to show more initiative. Um, but I think I need to also make space for them to do that. It is a culture thing. And you actually just said it, I guess we found this synonym with initiative because I wanted to take just a couple steps back earlier. You used the word allow mm-hmm. and you said, well, I'm allowed to have this. I'm allowing this. Mm-hmm. How do you know in any context that you interpret this question, what is allowed for oh. you or what, how do you, I notice that theme in the room. How do you know it's allowed? I really struggle with this. I don't really think I'm allowed much of anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> And this is not good. Like, I don't want, I don't want my team, boys or girls, men or women, or in anyone in between to feel like they're not allowed. Because I think they're allowed everything. Like, I, I'm like the ultimate celebrator. I'm like, I'm going to celebrate, like, anything. Like, I'm just so excited about people's wins. Like, I'm just, I'm one of those, I love speeches and not giving them, but I like <laughs> Um. But no, I, I, I recognize that I have this quality in myself where I don't really think I'm allowed a lot of things. Um, I want to give a shout out to my boyfriend, Eddie, who really does such a nice job of letting me know what I'm allowed. And, um, <laughs> you know, like we go, we don't live together. And, you know, so when we spend time together, some of the best time or like some of the most like kind of uh what what is the word but kind of like uninterrupted time is yeah. is when we can go on a trip even if it's small like palm springs or yeah. you know uh costa rica it's <laughs> 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 when i'm there when i take and i really know that a lot of business owners especially in the restaurant industry can uh, can um, relate to this you think you're not allowed to be on vacation and like yeah. I need to constantly be connected and check my phone and check my email and and all of these things and I feel like I don't deserve nice things um, because my investors are like why haven't you paid me back you know or like whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> and so I've had some great teachers in my life that have been slowly incrementally showing me that I deserve not only deserve or am allowed this time but I actually really need it. Because, because the sort of the overarching theme of my life or is never going to change. Like I want to, I want to impact, I want to impart good impact for other people and help other people, whatever that means. Um, it just happens to be that I'm a restaurateur today and mm-hmm. I'm going to help people have a great meal, a good experience, feel seen, feel like, feel joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm doing this community work, but in order for me to do any of those things well, or even by my own good standards, I have to allow myself time to, to, to have a cup, you know, I, it needs, 
I, you know, I learned recently from a woman that is, she's like a motivational speaker and she spoke at one of our events for regarding her. Her name is Charlotte Wynn. And she asked us to imagine an overflowing cup. Mm -hmm. What is in the cup is for me and what is overflowing is for other people. And I mean, I know we talk a lot about this cup, like in society, <laughs> replenishing your cup and your empty cup. But like, I nobody ever talked to me about an overflowing cup because I'm a Virgo and I don't like making a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I think about this overflowing cup a lot, and I I'm, I have certainly not mastered it, but I am trying to achieve this this wonderful analogy of like everything in this the water in the cup is what I'm allowed to take. And then everything overflowing is what I'm giving, you know? Mm. Love that. Lisa, is it time? It is time to buy it you. It's time for bops. Bops. Bangers. Bangers. Or bus. Yes. <laughs> At this point, we're never going to have a real theme song. Because That's the theme song. That is the theme song. That's the theme song. I can throw some music behind it real quick. A little air horn. Yeah. <laughs> Tabari, you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, again, to recap, uh, Boss Bangers or Bus. Uh, bus is the worst thing you've ever heard or seen. Banger is the best thing. Flop <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Okay. okay. Lynn, Boss Bangers or Bus, Netflix. Flop. I mean, I'm happy to have it. I'm lucky to have a subscription. I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I hate lately that it's like giving me a verbal, audible preview of just when I'm resting on a certain. Just what, yeah. I'm like, that, can I turn that Agreed. Off? Agreed yeah. on that. I but am I not watching Bridgerton on loop? I mean, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> I think it's that thing that TikTok does that as soon as you open the app, you're in the video. So it's like you didn't even make the choice to. So you open that, the, the choice of like making a decision other than that is already taken from you. And that's like, that's why I think that TikTok specifically like overrides all the, the logical parts of our brains and just like, you just see something on there and this is the truth right now, right? And it's like, I think it's really dangerous, but I can go on forever about that. I <laughs> think two apps need to stop acting like each other. It's yeah. like, stop it. Just because something works for TikTok doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. It's like, learn your audience. I'm not here for that. I'm here mm. to, to do other things. Like, yeah. understand the role you play in my life. Right. And they're not doing that research. Like, after a certain point, they're like, oh my god, we've got five billion. How do we make it ten? I'm like, learn your audience. <laughs> it's not about trends anymore. Just like, like <laughs> Like, that's how, I, I mean, I could go on about tech decisions yeah, all day, because people think about it as, like, this thing that you either know or don't know, and I'm like, it's just a thing that someone made up. It's like a recipe. It's like, they made it up. You can decide you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bob's Bangers or Bust Peanut Butter. Banger. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious, creamy, crunchy, with fruit, savory. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. peanut butter candy. Uh, yeah, I love it with Same fruit. Thing way. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! I just feel so conscious about eating the chunky peanut butter. People talk shit. They're like, "Why don't you just eat the peanuts?" I'm like, "Because I need the butter to go with it." Like, yeah. what do you mean? I need the soft and the crunchy. But 
the only thing I'll say is I don't, I don't really love when you're getting kind of natural leaning peanut butter and all that oils at the top. And I have to take that time to stir it. Really bothers me. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'd rather do it just the one time because I, I tried to not do it and do it later. And it just at the bottom of the bottom of the peanut butter is just like dust basically. Like you gotta stir it, bro. Just go and stir it once. <laughs> okay. Boss bangers or bust baking. Baking? Mm-hmm. Bust. Because yeah. I mean it's not. Like get me out of the kitchen now. <laughs> Somebody else is way better at that task than I am. <laughs> That's so hilarious because I had a bacon fail last night. I made meringues for the first time because I was like, oh, it's only sugar and egg whites. And what mm. I didn't understand, no one told me this, so I blame the internet, is oh. that they can't touch each other while they're cooling yep. down. Mm. They literally <laughs> can't. So now I have a big, globby, sticky marshmallow adjacent situation going on in my kitchen. Sabari so has promised to eat it. I've given up. So <laughs> For me, it's not a fail if we can still eat it. Because recently I tried to make some peanut sauce and it was the worst thing I've ever made. It was it was like I feel like I'm, when I get to the the pearly gates they're gonna be like you made that peanut sauce. I was like <laughs> the food guys are gonna be like I don't know, bro. I don't know if you can come over here because but uh, we did not eat that, so that's a fail. I'm like the meringue. We ate a little bit of it. We had a little bit last night, but I don't think I can still eat it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bops, bangers, or bust, beaches. Banger. I love a beach. Yeah. I love, Hello. yeah. I need I need a beach right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> need it. 100%. Bops, bangers, or bust, journaling. Oh, I think it's a banger. I'm yeah. not great at it. Um, but in 2021, I finally successfully learned how to journal and I really attribute it to it getting me out of whatever terrible state I was in at that time. Um, it helped me kind of like overcome some of my, some of my anxiety and my, the stress that was living inside my body. And cause I, you know, like I've been talking about expression, um, it helped. It was, it was a way, cause I didn't feel like I could express completely in either my circles. So I expressed in my journals and I wrote about a, about a book and a half, like a, like yeah. a, like a notebook and a half. Um, I'd like mm. to do it, but I really yeah. strongly recommend that anybody who can make that discipline happen in their lives, they do it. So banger. Yeah. I love journaling. <laughs> I've been journaling since I was a little girl I didn't understand that that's what it was I thought it was like I guess back then they called it like a diary it's like yeah. I keep a diary and yeah. I, I definitely had a diary and then it's definitely now, gendered you know what I mean journals were it boys is, yeah, I think so. girls. yeah I think you're <laughs> right I had a diary and it had a lock on it because you know you can never be too safe you can never <laughs> be too safe and then now I use a lot of guided 
I think guide, guided journals for me is like what's been, I'm really consistent with it now because I answer one specific question every day. I'm not just like, today I have, it's not like a day in the life. Like it used to be. There's a lot of power in that too. That's what I, how I would journal. Just like, just what happened to today? Like, what? Yeah. That's great. This is where, yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this. Like this is where I don't do things for myself. Like journal, journaling to me seems like a selfish act. You know, it's for the self, meaning that's selfish, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I don't think I am allowed that time, but I want to make mm. that. I think it's really powerful work that you both do. Yeah. yeah. I, I might need to be doing that. Um, when I went to therapy for about for, for a couple months, it was, that was a big part of what I did after, after the call. Cause it's like, the call is only an hour, which is like never enough time. And, <laughs> and afterwards it's like, here I am with all this stuff to process and because it's so so close to Jess and so private as much as I'm share and trust like everything with like Nisa some stuff is not ready to share with her yet Mm -hmm. and the journal is this like private place where I can talk to myself I can talk to my future self honestly about what's happening right now what has happened and what like what I'm what I'm going through I can look back the next day or in the morning or a year from now and see where I was. And I admire Nisa because she can't go to bed before like journaling. I'm like, it's not gonna be. She's like, oh no, I got journal first. I'm like, it's the light. It's not gonna be. <laughs> this but, is news to me because usually you're like, are you almost done? <laughs> well, I mean, I keep it cute. We need Lower to turn light. the light off now. <laughs> turn it off. Yeah, it's not for bed, but yeah, I can't tell her to go to bed. Like I'm like. <laughs> What is this? It's many like, ha- he's tried many times. That's like. why we have married to be like, go to bed right now. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bumps, bangers, or bust. I'm trying to make it a good one. <clears throat> Cheesecake. Bang, banger. Cheesecake yeah. is delicious. Um, I don't eat a lot of sweets because I'm, I'm more of a savory gals so maybe that's why i like cheesecake because it has because it's not too sweet yeah and it has a savoriness to it um it was eddie's birthday last week and it's a long story how we ended up in west hollywood for a staycation (laughs) but we were there i made us a dinner reservation at dantana's and we've never been there uh, together before and i guess they have a a famous cheesecake so we ordered it and it was excellent and Mm -hmm devoured it i actually have a greeting card here it's for like so many people in my life and i and it's just so good i haven't given it to anybody this is like me and my procrastinating side but the the greeting card says cheesecake is my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> um, i know who i'm giving it to i'm giving it to my manager demarcus his birthday yeah. is next month um it's, he's gonna get cheesecake as my boyfriend. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think cheesecake was my boyfriend for many years at some yeah. point as well. I learned how to do like a no bake version of it in college, mm-hmm. and when I had like no full kitchen and all of that, it was like my big thing. So when I would have like a potluck or like a thing with my friends, I'd like prep this no-bake cheesecake like three days earlier and people always thought it was so amazing and I was like it's literally two ingredients it's so great I don't have to do anything it's, I was so mind blown by it wow oh, I love it love cheesecake <laughs> <laughs> yeah two ingredients it's that it's that easy to mess up it's that <laughs> I know two ingredients that's it you're like 
<laughs> it's such a waiting. I loved it. I just like it's literally just like straight up cream cheese and condensed milk. And so you definitely cannot show up without a lactate, but like <laughs> So I can't push it, <laughs> but it's so good. It's just like it just tastes like condensed milk. It's like it's so good. <laughs> so, Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a dope conversation. Is there anything that you would like to promote, celebrate, bring to our audience's attention before we close? What a great open-ended question. There's so much I would love to celebrate. Um, well, one, thank you for having me. What a beautiful way to start my morning. Um, have a wonderful and thoughtful conversation with you both. Um, currently, I am in the weeds planning um, so many pop-up and collaborative dinner events at mm. All Day Baby, which is my second restaurant in Silver Lake. Um, I would love, I would love for folks to come. I don't even know when you guys are going live with this episode, but we have a wonderful fried chicken night tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You guys are free. I would love to see you tomorrow's national fried chicken day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in come August, we're going to be launching, um, new hours and a refreshed menu at all day baby. And I don't even know what it's even going to be, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to need people to come out. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, we've gone through so many changes at that restaurant. And again, shout out to my team for just hanging on. Um, so that would be great. I'm reading, I'm reading a wonderful book right now. I've been reading memoirs lately. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you both if you had read a memoir called Memorial Drive. And what, what triggered me was uh, there was a small scene about a diary lock. <laughs> um, the author is um half black half white it's it's not it's not an uplifting book by any means um, it definitely is it, it, it you know what it is um going into the book but it's a it's a great book the author's name is natasha her last name is long and i don't want to say it wrong um but it's, <laughs> i loved memorial drive and then today i'm reading stay true by an Asian male author name. Again, I don't know how to pronounce his name perfectly, but it's um, maybe Hua Su, which is H-U-A-H-S-U. Mm -hmm. -S -S He's a staff writer at The New Yorker. Mm -hmm. And this story I also know doesn't end with great news, but um, it's such a beautiful coming of age story of like two boys um, mm -hmm. developing a friendship in college. You know, I certainly don't know anything about what's going on inside an Asian boy's head. <laughs> and I was just, I'm just so amazed by the author, the memoirist. One, I had never given any thought to any Asian person that had parents that came a lot earlier to America than my parents. Yeah. And like his parents came over to study at university. Like that really blows my mind. Like I can't yeah. imagine my parents speaking English in a conversational manner, let alone getting an education in a university. And then the, and then me product of them 
going mm. on. Like this, this guy is, I don't know what else to call him, but he's kind of a hipster. Like he like thrifts his clothes. And anyway, and the, <laughs> and the friend that he meets um, is like the total opposite Asian than him. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's been around even longer in America. He's of Japanese American descent. So his mm. family, he's like fourth generation. And that yeah. really blows my mind, but he likes fraternities, Dave Matthews fans. And like oh my God. Abercrombie and Fitch, like all this stuff that like repels the author, but they Convert. have a really beautiful yeah. friendship. And I'm like, I think, you know, I'm no man. So Tabari, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think it's really hard for men to find friendships and, de- mm-hmm. and continue to develop it as they get older. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I think, I think it's really brave and eye-opening to sort of just even read word for word, like what this author is doing in in in, in his description of like how his friendship develops with Ken. Oh my God, that is a dope story. Because literally <laughs> as you say that, it's like, and Tabari is really passionate about the topic of like men being allowed to experience loving relationships in all these various contexts. Yeah. And it's, when you put the Asian lens on it and show these varying different experiences and like how it can look like, it's like, dang, like, cause immediately I'm like, did they fall in love? Did one of them hurt the other? Like immediately I went yeah. to this place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's even a scene, a scene, a page. <laughs> um, it's, it talks about like he, they, they go to school in UC Berkeley and um, he does some volunteer work for like Asian kids, you know, whatever. So he like t- has to take this bus like out to a place called Richmond. And I don't know that area very well, but it's, there's a lot of Asian people and like, Asian groceries and a community, but there's also a black community too. And there, there was this scene where it talks about how, some of these kind of like Asian immigrants, like, you know, uh, kids that were even different than the two main characters because their parents just came to America. The only people that those Asian kids felt even remotely close to were the black kids at school. Mm -hmm. And this was one, definitely a portion of my life, but absolutely this girl that lived in my neighborhood, Vietnamese American like me, exclusively all of her, her, her friends were, her friends were black. Like I had one best friend named Camille and then I had another best friend named Sheree, who was a twin. Um, and they were like my girls. Like they took me to my first concert, which was Mary J. Blige featuring Jodeci when they were four oh people. Um, wow. oh <laughs> but like, this was like literally a paragraph maybe like in the book, but I like immediately saw it and woke up and it was, you know, it's such a wonderful observation that, because we we do not fit in when you're when you're the child of an immigrant, like you can barely get by. Yeah. We didn't even touch the subject of affirmative action on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Be another one. <laughs> you know, I, there's a lot on my mind right now. <laughs> um, anyway, book shout outs. <laughs> yeah. Yay! I love that. I love that. I love that. Books to us. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good book, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I cannot wait for this episode to air. I feel like this was such a rich, rich conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm excited that we were able to 
go in different places because I know you've done a ton of interviews and I'm always excited to just ask new questions and bring up new thoughts. And I feel like that's like always our goal yeah. as, as hosts is like, what are we not talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's why I love having these podcasts in the morning too, because it's a great day for us as well. Because sometimes I'm like 10 o'clock. Oh my God. Oh, I just, how am I ever going to get up in time? <laughs> Even though I'm up early every day and I take the dog out and do my thing, but but I'm always I always leave them reinvigorated, like more motivated, like being like, oh, I couldn't have, I should have done that even earlier. Yeah. And I just love having these conversations. I just love it. Well, I learned recently that social social connection mm-hmm. is more positively influencing on your health mm-hmm. and can help curb heart disease, can't like like real real issues. Mm-hmm. But if people just included a little bit of social connection into their daily life, it will extend your life. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's a better remedy than anything out there. Like the the the, ben- the benefits of it are like quadruple like you can google it <laughs> the PhD person said that to me and I was like oh and I like wrote it down <laughs> so, wow yeah I believe it I believe it it always feels good and like I'm kind of 50 50 split between introvert and extrovert like there are times where I gain energy from either side and then there are times where I'm like I'm going to my cave and I will not be <laughs> exiting mm-hmm. and it's like but I always, especially when it's a genuine interaction, especially when it's like, even if it's a glance, even if it's like, Tamari and I call them like black moments where like mm-hmm. you see another black stranger and you give each other the deepest look and there's this knowing and communication that like that. could have been an hour conversation, but it was instead condensed into a look. Oh. And those just like make my week. It's like, <laughs> I like, I'm like, if you were to tell me like, yeah, it'll live longer. I'll live longer because I'm having more moments like that. I'm like, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that a ton. <laughs> oh, I love that you shared black moment with me. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to hear anything more beautiful this week. I'm just going to say. <laughs> it's the thing. It's like. It was the difference between, because when, even when we were deciding where to move on mm-hmm. the, because we knew we wanted to leave Atlanta, mm-hmm. I was like, if I look at another Black person that I don't know, are they going to look at me back? Like, we mm-hmm. talked about the wave, we talked about the smile. For mm-hmm. me, it's not even about that. It's like, do we acknowledge each other? Because I'm like, I understand that the likelihood of me moving into a beach town that's gorgeous. That is a black community in the States is really rare. Like there's tons of black neighborhoods that are like affluent, but they're always suburban and family driven, which Mm -hmm. shout out to people who need that. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, for me, I kind of want to be in the mix. And so I was like, well, I can sacrifice the blackness of Atlanta if Mm -hmm. I have a connection with the black people that actually are here in LA. And so when we, Went to Portland, no connection. It was like you look and they'd be like, nothing. I was like, oh, so we're in a sunken place. You know, San Francisco, same thing. Like you see them everywhere. And it's like, 
nope, these are my white people. Like, and it's like they're I was like, oh, okay, that you come to LA and they're like, <laughs> like it's like, and then it's gone and you never see that person again, but for like 10 seconds you were best friends. Oh, I love that. Yeah. As long as that like not especially with like with um black men, it's always like you know what I mean? It's always like a little one of those. And yeah. like, it's one of those things that's like, like kind of compulsory. You don't even realize you're doing it, but you just kind of, when you catch someone's eyes, usually I'll like kind of look away. But when I catch them the black man's eyes, I'm like, just a quick, like, I just, I know. It's just. <laughs> it's, I know. Like, especially yeah. in Venice, mm-hmm. especially in Venice, because black people who are in Venice are like, are there more of us? Like, and it's yeah. like, yes, actually. And when you say that you just moved, they're like overjoyed, yeah. especially if they're in Culver City or just in the mm-hmm. neighboring kind of neighborhoods. And so it's strong here. And I was like, okay, as if, if I can have that, then it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love this for y'all. That's amazing. That's really, <laughs> that's some special connection. Now that I pointed it out, like you'll know you'll see people for doing it. it. <laughs> like just like look around and see what's happening, and you're gonna be like, they just did it. Like they- <laughs> yeah. yeah, or if they ever somewhere people watching, yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna be paying attention, and I'm gonna be quietly <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> I think that's really wonderful. I really don't think that I can say the same that I'm I'm doing that. So I want to see if I can put some of this into motion. Yeah, right. <laughs> it feels incredible. It always happens when something like interesting goes down or like just like maybe somebody runs a stop sign or like you know somebody says something crazy and you you bear witness to this moment. And it's like sure anyone would connect but there's something about with black people both witness something together. Or acknowledge each other where you're like, did you see that? Oh, girl, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time we've been at like a store or at some event and we're, we start talking, me and Nisa are like, we're loud. Like we, we, we go yeah. through a space and we're always like talking and joking and laughing or just like in the moment, like full, fully present. And how many times people have been like, you know, so, 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 like it's kind of joining the conversation. Join in the conversation. Right <laughs> I love that. Oh, you definitely cannot last in Portland. Portland is the quietest place I've ever been. <laughs> oh my god! Is I weird. went there. I was just so curious, and I was like, I had to know. I had to find out for myself. And I found yeah. out. And I was like, well, that was cute. I had fun. Bye. Like, okay. I'm, I'm glad we went because that was the first time we. And we went there. We stayed. Um, like the Mark Spencer Hotel, so it's like right down town Portland, um, near the independent bookstore. Powell, shout out to Powell's. Yeah. Um, just all my dreams as a kid for books everywhere. Yes, everything. And I was able to get up because I also often get up earlier than, than Nisa and I'll walk the dog or do my own thing, whatever. But I found I can get up and just like leave the house and have to like get the car and do anything and just check anybody, just get out and just walk around. And that was not something I experienced in Atlanta. And like, there's no walking, you walk in what, two miles to go to Walmart? It's like, so that was a big influencer to move here to Venice, which is extremely walkable. Mm-hmm. The buildings are only two, three stories high. And so it's like, I need this part. Now that like, it's, it's interesting how you don't think you need something 
and you experience it or you see it and you're like, okay, now this has to be part of my life and I feel unfulfilled if I don't have it. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the big shower center, the hundred foot square foot hundred square foot shower is on the way. Do I do I need it? You yes. need it. You need it. Yeah. Each other holding big shower. That's, that's <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. For taking time out of here. I know you're, uh, it's hard to take time for yourself. Thank you for taking time for us you're and welcome. have a conversation. I will say this time is for yourself as well to talk about things that you're excited about. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you guys even wanting to have me on and asking me yeah. such kind questions. So thank you. Great. You're welcome. Yay. Thank All you right. as well. I'll see you soon. All right. Let's, yeah, you. We'll talk Bye. soon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. so much for listening to this episode and rocking with us if you really like the episode please leave us a five-star review every review means so much to us